Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Father, we thank you today for the amazing richness of your word. It's got every answer to every question that we could have. And Lord, we honour your word today. And as it goes forth, we, Lord, we just want to be doers of your word. We want it to transform the way that we think, our perceptions of life, our understanding of who we are, our understanding of what you are doing in our world. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person. Lord, every person here today, Lord, you have a plan for. You have a desire to speak into their heart today. And I'm praying today that you would anoint me with fresh oil to speak with great authority and power and revelation to the people that you love so dearly. So we honor your word today, Lord Jesus. We love you and we thank you for an amazing time. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So James begins because he's writing to people that have had a really difficult time. They've been dispersed from their homeland uh, we think we've got it tough because things go wrong. And many of us have had genuine, genuine trials and, and things have gone pear-shaped. Maybe investments have gone sour or maybe you don't have any money to make an investment. Maybe it's relationship problems, school problems, getting the right grades, whatever it is. Uh, feeling loved by people. We all have these moments. And, and, and James is writing to people who have been dispersed from their land. They're, they're orphans. They're, you know the picture of the Syrians flooding into Europe? It's a picture of that. They're going into a foreign land, having to start all over again. They've all essentially been bankrupt. And he's writing to these people who are going through tremendous trials and pain. And this is what he says. He has the hide to say this. Consider it all joy. I imagine when they opened the letter and they saw that opening line that some of them would have torn it up, stomped, got angry. But he says it for a reason. He says, consider it all joy. That word consider, I said last week, is a word that, that says that we are to think. This word literally means to think like somebody that rules in life. He's saying, when you go into a trial... You need to have a mindset that you are already victorious. That my circumstances will not define my beliefs, but my beliefs will define my circumstance. Are you hearing me? He says, the way you enter into a trial will determine whether it's successful or not. Consider it all joy. Say with me, all joy. Now, we don't ask trials to come upon us because they do that by themselves. But when we find ourselves in a trial, in difficult times, he says we are to have a disposition of joy because every trial is designed to advance me. Did you hear that? Every hard time, every disappointment, every misunderstanding, the design of heaven in that is your advancement. So if you see it like that, you can consider it joy. How many people want to be advanced in life? Most of us. Okay, we want to be enlarged, we want to grow, we want to prosper, we don't want to stagnate. When I think of advancement, I get happy. So when we, if we can rearrange our thinking process 
to say this, this trial is going to be the making of me. It's going to advance me. I'm going to come out at a whole new way of living. They're not designed to break you. They're designed to advance you. Now, yes, the devil, he, he thinks that this is going to take you out. But you know what? I've come out the other side of many trials and he's not taken me out. It served to advance me, to give me authority in areas that I never had authority over before. The trial is going to be the making of you, my friend. Count it all joy, says, because joy is a primary weapon we use in trials. Remember that I said last week that Satan, at, at his fall, he lost all the fruit of the Spirit. So that means his kingdom is depressed, sad, anxious. He bites his nails, his, his, his claws. There's nothing left. He's, exactly, he's got no fingers anymore because he's anxious, afraid. So when we, when we come into a trial with an opposite spirit, we de-engage the enemy's power in our life. So he says, count it all joy. Joy is a primary weapon that you use in trials. He goes on to say, if anyone lacks wisdom, verse 5, let him ask of God. Do you remember I said last week, the questions that you ask in a trial determine whether the trial is, benefici is bene beneficial or not. See, the, the questions I was asking were questions that you ask. Why me? Why me? What have I done wrong? Haven't I always been good? Why would you do it again? Haven't you proved a point? God, I, I, I've said to God, this trial is actually doing me no good now. You, you've, you, you've proved your point. You've actually gone too far now. Nothing good can come out of this. This is what I've said to God. You've actually made a mistake now. You've gone, oh, see, you've gone, it's irreparable now. You've actually done damage to me. I've said that to God. You've damaged my heart. But I began to discover that the questions that I ask of God are so important. Instead of saying, why me? What have I done wrong? I'm beginning to discover that God wants to, me to ask questions of like a man that thinks victorious. God, who do you want to be to me in the midst of this trial? What is it you want to show me in this trial that's going to advance me? How is favor going to come out of this trial, God? You see how we flip everything? Because the issue in front of you is not the issue. We get so absorbed with the circumstance. And the devil wants us focused on fighting the issue. The devil's got very little resources in his kingdom. So you giving your attention to his shenanigans is what empowers him. So so many Christians empower the devil by their attention. You can bankrupt the devil very quickly because he has limited resources when he comes against you. The issue is not the issue. See, stress is not external. Stress is always an inside job. Are you hearing me? It's not stressing you out. The circumstance is not the cause of your stress. Your mindset, your perspective, your thinking is the cause of stress. I can prove that. I've been stressed out by very big challenges. God's come in and adjusted my mindset. The challenges are still the same, but I'm no longer stressed. That proves to me that stress is an inside job. But here you ask 
must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect he would receive anything, anything from God. So that man's going from his old nature to his new nature. He's living like a victim one day, then the next day he's living and singing songs, worshipping God. He's oscillating between the two. He says he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's where we finished last week. Now, verse 9 says, But the brother of humble circumstances, or the poor man, he is to rejoice in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humili humiliation, because like the flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind, and withers the grass and the tomatoes, and everything else that we've planted out there. And its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too is the rich man in the midst of his pursuits, he will fade away. When I used to read, James used to think that God didn't like rich people, and he liked poor people. He's not saying that. See, when you read scripture like that, and it appears that way, you've got to ask God, okay, I know that's not true. You, you, you take delight in the prosperity of your people. What he's saying here is that both the poor and the rich need to have an upgrade in the way that they think. They both will face challenges in their life. The rich, their challenge is that their bank account can move a million dollars overnight. Because it's moved 2%. The poor has to think about, how do I get the next dollar? And he's saying here that... You're going to have to adjust the way you think because we, the poor and the rich, both alike, live in uncertain times. Times where there's great stress, great trials. And he goes on to say in verse 12, Blessed is the man and the woman who perseveres under trial. For once they have been approved, they are going to receive a crown of life. Where do you put a crown? Where do you put a crown? On your head. What happens in your head? Lots of thoughts. He's saying here that if you persevere in your trial and you become approved by him, God's going to give you a crown of life. You are going to come into a place as you go through trials where God places on you a crown. You are going to have a way of thinking that's going to cause you to reign in this world. And what God is desiring to do in the church, listen carefully, is not just... Uh, encounter him and fall on the ground and they're all great things but his deep desire is to take a people and cause them to think great and glorious thoughts in every circumstance it's called the crown of life blessed is the one who perseveres under trial for when they've been approved they will receive this crown of life This word approved is an interesting word because if you're taking notes in the Greek, it's dokimos, which is D-O-K-I-M-O-S. And they use this word dokimos for men and women that circulated money. They were money changers. And in the Roman times, they would make money out of things called real money, not, not this currency, this this stuff that we have today that's paper that you can rip up and it's worthless, but it was real money, it was gold and silver. And when they made this money, it was by the nature of the, of the gold and the silver, it was soft. 
And so it would be made and, and imprinted with the, uh, the king's uh, picture and it would be set out into circulation. And what would happen is that the crooks would come along and they'd begin to shave the coin. And uh, just a little bit at a time, and it'd make its way through the circulation and come back to these men and women that were in charge of circulating coins and, and money changes. And they would weigh up the coin, and if it had been shaved and it wasn't the right weight, they would not allow it to go back into circulation. They were called approved or dokamos. And Paul is saying, sorry, Peter is saying in this writing that, that we had to go through trials and not allow the trial to shave us. See, so many Christians are cutting corners. They're going through trials and they're not allowing the trial to truly cause them to think great thoughts. They just want to escape the trial. They just want a quick way out. They're complaining. They're angry with God. And he's saying that as you are like a coin and you are going through from one person to another, from one challenge to another, do not allow the challenges to diminish the weight and the authority that's on your life. Are you hearing me? Remember I said last week, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, our light affliction. Say that with me, light. The affliction that you are going through is light. You say, really? It's a light affliction. He says, it's but for a moment, but it's working a far more exceeding great eternal weight of glory. What's he saying by that? What Paul is saying is that when you go through trials, the the, the pain is a light affliction. It will, not, it will not define who you are. You know some people go through trials and you can see the day that they were marked. So you go through a divorce or your parents leave you and that moment defines them for the rest of their life. Something is shaved off their life. They are diminished by that thing. And Paul is saying that trials are designed to be a light affliction, not to define you, but so you would carry the great eternal weight of glory. They are to make you. They are to build something in you, something worthy, something valuable, something strong. And some of us have allowed trials to diminish who we truly are. We've got angry, we've got discouraged, we've got jaded. And Peter's saying here, let the trials cause you to be approved. Let them come back into the hands of the master. And when he looks at your life, he sees that there's not been a corner cut. You've not taken the easy way out. He says, don't, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. I felt God say it's time to embrace the purpose of trials and start to ask brilliant questions in the time of the trial and have great thoughts so we can start to wear the crown of life. I want to be a man that wears the crown of life, that everywhere I look, my perspective is like Jesus. It's called the mind of Christ is the crown of life. So I'm not, I'm not you know, when something negative happens, my first reaction is not fear or anxiety. I've got lots of things going on in my world that most people don't know anything about. Challenges here, fires there, things there, like many of you. But I'm choosing today to wear the crown of life. I will come through this. God is going to do something powerful in my life, and it will be for his glory. The challenge for us is that we go through trials 
and we allow the trials to shave our life. We revert back to this old nature of fear and doubt and anxiety and anger. And you know you've been shaved when you begin to hear yourself say things like, I'll never be loved. It's never going to work out. My future is really bleak. You know you've been shaved by the trial that God hasn't had his way in your life when you start speaking out of the old nature. And when I hear myself saying these words like, it's hopeless, it's not going to work out, God begins to say to me, which self is speaking today? Is that your new nature? Is that the one that I live in? You know, the one where... You know, I, I never have an anxious thought and the sun's never lost a battle and Holy Spirit's amazing. Is that, is that the self you're speaking out of? The one that's, that has all the resources of heaven? Or are you speaking about or from that old mindset, the old nature that was crucified? Which self? Which self are you leaning to? And so we go through trials and we allow the trials to define us. We, we fight them out of our old nature. And there are so many Christians that are weary and tired and overwhelmed. You've been allowing the trials to shave you. You've been operating out of the old nature. And God's calling you up to think his thoughts, his ways, to ask his questions. And in the trial, I'm learning not to talk to that old nature, the, the fears that have accompanied me for all my life, that, that actually don't belong there. Now, the Bible says that we are not to talk to that old nature. Deuteronomy 18 calls it talking to the dead. There's a name for it. Is it necromancy? And it, God forbids, in the Old Testament, he says, I forbid you to talk to the dead. In the New Testament, it says, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to righteousness. And so many of us are communicating with our fears and we have conversations and, and it begins almost unknowingly. I can find myself walking down the street and my mind's all of a sudden engaged fear and, and it's creating scenarios. Does that ever happen to anyone else? It's creating scenarios where I see people at my funeral and, and they're saying things. I see sometimes my fa family members walking away or the church collapsing or the world going crazy or whatever it is or me getting angry in fights, uh, at road rage. I see all those things. I imagine myself punching somebody and I have to grab that and do something with it. And the greatest thing I can do in those times is to take authority over the old nature by ignoring it. We are not to converse with that old nature. And in the midst of the trial, fear is trying to get voice in your heart. Anxiety and stress. In the Roman times, they dealt with murderers brutally. And Paul talks about this in Romans 7.24. He says, Wretched man am I, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's talking about this old nature that rises, especially in the midst of trials and pain, that wants to articulate how we view that. See, the devil wants us focused on the circumstance God wants us focused on our new nature. 
And Paul's saying, who will free me from keeping going back to this old way? See, when we think about sin, reckon ourselves dead to sin, it's much more than just looking at pornographic material or murdering someone. The greatest sin that you will fight with is the sin of fear, of failure, of stress. And God says, reckon yourself dead to that old nature. Paul says, who will free me from this body of sin? In the Roman times when they found someone who a murderer and had been judged and found guilty, they would grab that man and they would find the corpse and they would tie the corpse back to back with the man that had committed the offence. They would get leather ties and they would bind their heads to back of the head to the back of the head, their, their, their waist and their feet. And they would leave that man out to the city uh, centre and there'd be a pole in the centre and they would tie the two bodies to the pole and as the heat came down, the dead body would begin to decompose and it would kill the murderer. And they called that corpse the body of death. And Paul says, who will free me from this body of death? This thing that seems to be on me all the time, that's, 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 uh, that's decomposing and affecting the way I think and feel. And I, I'm like that. I go through trials and I feel like this old nature keeps rearing its ugly head where my initial response is fear and anger rather than faith and peace. Has anyone else ever felt like that? When bad news comes and all of a sudden rage comes up inside or anger or fear or anxiety. Paul says, who will free me from this thing that keeps... If, I thought it was dead, but it just, it's rotting on me. The only one that could free the man from the corpse was the victim's family. They had the power to, to say enough's enough. I thank the Lord that Jesus at the cross freed us from that body of sin. Because Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's freed us. He's freed us from that old nature. James 4, 7 brings it out this way. He says, Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Do you know the word resist is antihistamine? It's literally come with an opposite stance. See, what happens is when people are attacked by the devil, this is what they do. And I want you to listen to me carefully. All those that think their major calling is spiritual warfare, look at me carefully. I want to pop your bubble. The Bible says, submit to God first. Resist the devil and he will flee. So we think resist is, I bind you in Jesus' name. We get oil and we put it on all the corners of our building. We plead the blood. We do all these things. Do you know what resist means? It means literally take an opposite stance. So if he's coming in fear, I come against him in joy and gladness. That's how you resist the devil. In fact, it says submit to God. The greatest thing you can do with the devil is ignore him. I said before, your attention is empowering him. He has limited resources, very limited. We will see him when we go to heaven and we will say, is this the one that deceived the nations? That's what the scripture says. I know some of you don't like this because you've been taught, you have a theology of the greatness of the devil and the smallness of God. And here I ask you, is your way of thinking bringing you freedom or is it keeping you in bondage? Is it bringing you joy or stress? And I suggest to you, if it's bringing you stress, 
and bondage, you've got the wrong mind. Submit to God. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Thank you that you are great. Resist the devil. Ha, 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 ha. Laugh at him. Come with an opposite spirit and he shall flee. If you're in a trial that's constant and you aren't getting any better, you're just miserable and you're under... You know, you meet people, I'm in this battle, I'm under attack. And, and, and there are, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's no spiritual warfare or no attack. But if that is the... If that is the picture of your world, then you're never going to really be approved by God. You will never wear the crown of life because the crown of life is victorious. It's great thinking. It's, it is the mind of Christ. It's brilliant in its thinking. It's overcoming. And James says, resist the devil and he will flee. See, God's teaching me how to totally view trials differently. I've got to say, I feel so much different today than ever before. And really, when you look at my world, a lot of things are challenging. But I'm beginning to ask the right questions in the trial. I'm beginning to see how God sees. I'm beginning to see that the way I engaged my old nature was empowering the devil. I was, I was, I was, I was either conversing with my fears or else I was trying to resist them actively when God just said ignore them ignore them and come to me the enemy wants to draw you into an unending war that's just going to weary you you know what it doesn't happen all the time but every now and again I will wake up at night and there'll be demons in my room and do you know what I do I just go back to sleep. <coughs> the devil hates being ignored. Romans 6.13 says, don't present your members as expressions of unrighteousness to sin. Don't give the enemy a vehicle to express his mindset in your world. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. So that, that's not me. Fear is not my nature anymore. You've got to talk to yourself, my friends, because the devil wants to define you by an old nature. I know, it's, I know it's hard to understand, and I'm not being demeaning, but it's hard for me. Because it's so, we live out of a soulish realm so often, but that's not who you are. Any man who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. That's why Paul says we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need to allow what has taken place in our spirit to become a reality in our mind. All of life is retraining the way I think according to my true identity. I am not fearful. I am not anxious. All of heaven's favor is upon me. And I will, I will wake up each morning understanding the Father's disposition towards me is one of favor. So we have to train ourselves in this. You actually have to think about favor. When you wake up in the morning, you need to think about the Father's love for you. Yeah. Actually have to engage that. So trials come to cause us to think bigger thoughts. I was telling our leadership team the story of the lobster. And lobsters are beautiful to eat, but they have a great picture in their life for us about trials. And as I said, trials are designed to make me think 
like Jesus. Greater thoughts, more brilliant thoughts. So a lobster is squashy inside. And it has an outside casing that's brittle and immovable, inflexible. So the lobster grows and grows. And then one day, it hits a ceiling. It hits a trial, a stress. And he knows there's a problem. And I said to our leadership team that if, if lobsters were humans, they'd go to the doctor and they'd be medicated. They'd go to their therapist and say, life is terrible. But that's not the problem. See, the answer to your stress is not medication or distraction or another habit. What the lobster does, it has this ability, it understands that I've hit a limit, but that's not the end. It goes and hides under a rock, safe away from all other critters, and it breaks the shell and grows a new one that's much larger. And it goes out and begins to grow again. It hits a ceiling, another time, another stress, and it goes under a rock, cracks the, the, the shell, and grows a new one. I want to suggest to you that if you've hit a ceiling, if you're in a trial, if you're in a difficult time, the answer is this. Is the Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, leave me under the rock that is higher than I. You get under the rock, it's a place of asking the right questions. God, why do I feel like this? Why is my life out of order? Why is all this pressure happening? What do you want me to think in this moment? Who do you want me to who do you want to be to me in this moment? And as you ask these questions, the shell will break. You get a new one which is much larger and you'll come out from that season bigger and better. Are you hearing me? And this is what God is wanting to do in your season of stress and anxiety. He's calling you away. And it frustrates me when, about myself and others when I see us in trials, resisting, fighting, getting anxious and worried. And, 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 and Christians, and see, they're being circulated, but they're being shaved off. They're losing. They're more and more anxious, more and more uptight. More and more Christians are needing to be medicated. And, and God is saying, you know what? That's not the end. This is not the end of life. You've just hit a ceiling. And the reason that you've hit that casing is because your thoughts now can no longer take you where I want you to go. And God allows a trial to come in because he wants to upgrade your thinking because your destiny is too great for your small thoughts now. Are you hearing me? So he calls us under the rock to get a new view of life and we come out into a broad space. The psalmist says that God has led me to a broad space. The enemy wants me confined. He wants me a little, little lobster in a little, little shell. That's called a yabby. And that's how he wants us. And so that's why there are so many small Christians because they refuse to come under the rock and get a new view of life. So this is the calling of the church. The calling of the church is to a world that is overwhelmed by trials and pressure and stress. And our calling is to reveal man's true identity. That this stress and these trials are not to define you, but God's, God's got something great inside you. So the church is called the Ecclesia. And the word Ecclesia, many of you know this, but it, it means to call out man's surname. That's what it means. 
It's, James goes on in James chapter 1 to say that when we look into the mirror, we see our Genesis phase. It's our origin. It's who we truly are. So all the world that, that, that don't know Jesus, they don't know their true identity. They're allowing circumstances to define them. But the church's job is to call out man's greatness in the midst of those problems. I again said to our leadership team the other night that our job is to call out truth. Ephesians 4.15 says that we speak the truth in love and we'll grow up into all things into whom is the head which is Christ. We are to call out the truth about people. See, when you see someone who's overwhelmed by a trial or maybe they're a, a drug addict or whatever it is, the world just wants to call out what is true. You're a no-hoper. This circumstance has defined you. You'll always be poor. There's nothing good about you. You're anxious. You're fearful. You go to the doctors. All they do, and I'm not demeaning doctors, but they just want to tell you what's already wrong and medicate that and try and manage it. But our job is to speak out the truth not what is true. See, the, what is true condemns me, but the truth sets me free. Right. What is true is that I, I may have been battered by divorce or this or that, but the truth is that if any man be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. That's our job, church. As we go out this week, we begin to speak what God sees over people. All the trials and the pain, they've defined people. And, and particularly over Christmas, all that junk begins to rise up to the surface. But God's calling us to call people out of that, out of the world that's defined them and begin to speak who Jesus sees them to be. Let's do that this, this year as, as we come to the end. And let's make it a, 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 just such a, a, a vision for 2016 that over our, our own lives, that when we go through trials... We're going to count it all joy. We're going to see what God sees. We're going to remind ourselves that we are victorious, that God has an amazing plan, and nothing that this world can throw up will ever define us. When we're around people that have been subjected to so much pain, let's begin to call out what God sees. Let's do that. You know, remember I spoke a few weeks about Captain Obvious? That's not prophetic. That's the devil's territory. He calls out, what he can see. He operates out of the five senses. He looks at people and says, yeah, I can see that you've had a hard life. It's going to stay that way. But not the ecclesia. They, they call out man's true identity, woman's true identity. Mark 4 says that a lamp is called to be on a stand, not hidden under a bed. Our true identity is buried for many people. But God says, no, bring it out. Let your light shine before the world. Let people see the real Jesus in you. So as you close your eyes today, I just want to pray over you today. Father, I pray today, Lord, that as we go through every trial and every challenge in this next year, that our true currency will be seen. Lord, we thank you that every trial is an opportunity to think greater thoughts and to see greater realities of who we truly are, that these trials are the means of unveiling the true power that is within us, that we are more than conquerors. And these circumstances won't define us, but we shall define our circumstances. I thank you, Father, that as you send us out into this world, 
that, Lord, we will begin to call out the greatness in people, those that are, that are overwhelmed by problems and circumstances. We will begin to see, speak like Jesus speaks. We will see what you see. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for those today that have been battered by challenges in their life, some of the things that have, have been at them for years and years and years. I'm asking, Lord, cause them to think new thoughts, like that lobster, Lord. For those that feel like they've hit a ceiling, that there's, it's, there's irritations, there's restrictions in their life. Bring them under that rock where they begin to get a new view. They begin to see what they couldn't see before. They begin to ask new questions. Enlarge them, Lord. Give them space to grow in this next year. Lord, I ask for an upgrade in my shell. I ask for an upgrade in everyone's shell today, Lord. Break off everything that confines me and give me room to think greater thoughts, to be a bigger lobster, I ask, Lord. Where I believed before for millions of dollars, let it be tens of millions. Where I believed for someone to be healed of a headache, let me believe that blind eyes will be opened. Where I believe for one person to get saved through me next year, let me believe for 10. Where I believe for double, let me believe for a hundredfold. Increase me, upgrade me. No limitations, I pray. And let not these trials limit me, but let it be the making of me to enlarge me. So I count it all joy when I go through trials. For you will approve me and you will give me a crown of life. I will begin to see like you see and think like you think. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you you've, you've given me the crown of life, a place to rule and reign from. I thank you, Lord. I want you just to picture right now that crown being placed on your head. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. It was the cursed way of thinking. It was a way of fear and doubt and unbelief. It was... Thinking that resulted from separation from God. But us who are far have been brought near. We're in Christ Jesus. And he places not a crown of thorns, because that was buried at the cross, but he puts a crown of life upon our heads. And we think like Jesus. We look into our future and we see his goodness and his favor and his wisdom and his leadership and we are excited thank you Lord thank you thank you thank you and right now Lord I just release I just feel to release right now strategies for 2016 some of you are going to find in the next two or three weeks as you go under that rock as you come away God's going to release strategies. They're going to bring enlargement. You've come up, you've come to a place where it's confining and you can feel it in your spirit. And God's going to crack the shell open and give you a new way of thinking. They're going to come strategies and ideas and ways of seeing life that will attract 
success. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. And so we allow every, every thought to be subject to your will. John 15, let's feel the Lord saying this. John 15, he says when he comes to a tree, he prunes and he cuts off what doesn't belong and every thought that doesn't belong in our life, he's cutting off. And he trims that which is bared fruit or born fruit. And he's giving us upgrades in the way we think. Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. And for some of us, we're getting an upgrade in our thinking. He's not just removing things that don't belong, but he's upgrading your thinking. Not that your thinking was wrong, but it's, it can't go into this next season. So he trims it back. You come to a place where you hit like a ceiling. Not and he's not doing that because he's disappointed in you. He's doing that to enlarge you and cause you to bear so much more fruit. So do that, Lord. Increase us. Increase us. Increase the way we think. I ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just feel God doing that right now. I just want to linger just for a minute or two and because I feel like he's, he's just rearranging things in people's minds right now. I feel him doing that by his spirit. Grooves that have been for years and years. God is he's coming and he's, he's calling you away, away from that. And I see that as you spend time with him, just whole new perspectives coming. Perspectives of, of joy and freedom, of love, of power and authority and confidence. I see that now. I see the Lord calling people away and you come back with a whole new level of confidence in who you are and your calling. And it's tangible, it's visible, it's noticeable to people. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.